This is the English Heritage Podcast. Hello and welcome back to your weekly podcast into England's past. I'm Charles Rowe. Coming up, we're charting the history of Christmas caroling. The first carols produced by St Francis of Assisi's people, the Franciscan friars, as a dance in a circle with linked hands. We'll delve into the origins of three festive favourites. It first appears in a number of American magazines in the early 1880s, sent to them by the same anonymous donor, who claims it's a 16th century German lullaby. And we'll also hear those three carols from a recent choir performance at Bolsover Castle. So welcome, one and all, to an extra special festive edition of the English Heritage Podcast. And it is extra special because this is the first time we'll have combined Christmas, carols, a choir and a castle in one of our podcasts. And not only that, but we also have back for a consecutive week English Heritage Trustee and historian Professor Ronald Hutton. Now, if you were wondering why last week's episode on Christmas traditions didn't include carols, it's because we were saving the subject for this one. On top of which, you will hear three carols sung by the Chesterfield Philharmonic Choir from Bolsover Castle in Derbyshire. But before we find out what each of those carols will be, let's discover the history of caroling. Now, Professor, we established last week that Christmas grew out of this human need to enrich a deadening time of year and look forward to longer days and new life. So have there always been midwinter songs before Christianity to keep up people's spirits? There must have been, along with dances and plays and feasts. Trouble is that none have survived. On the other hand, the Christmas carol is the most best-preserved aspect of English medieval music. There are huge numbers from the 15th century. From the 15th century, okay. When has Christianity really established itself in Europe? Then from that, who invented the first carol? Christianity takes over Europe in between the 4th and eventually the 14th century. And the first carols produced by St Francis of Assisi's people, the Franciscan friars, as a dance in a circle with linked hands and everybody singing the song as they dance round. Do we know how many of those songs there were originally? We don't. There seem to have been a large number, just to judge by the amount we have in English within a 100 years. The oldest English Christmas carol we have is 14th century, which isn't that long after the invention of the idea. We don't dance around anymore, certainly not dancing in the aisles, because that's sort of frowned upon, I think, in, in church. But songs at Christmas, carols have lived on. Why did the associated dance die out, do you think? We don't know. I think people just got bored with it. And the songs detached from it could attach to any season. So you get May carols, you get harvest carols. But Christmas is the time for festivity par excellence, since the carols survived then and died out elsewhere. So we think that Christmas carols date back to around the Franciscan monks, the 14th, 15th centuries? That's right. What is England's oldest carol then? Depends how you define it. If you go for the component parts, I think it's While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night, which has a 16th century tune and 17th century words. On the other hand, they're not put together securely until the 19th century. So if you're going for the oldest carol that's still popular, which is complete, 
It's probably O Come All Ye Faithful, both the tune and the words of which seem to be securely put together by the end of the 18th century. That's one of the ones we'll cover towards the end of the podcast, um, certainly. And we do have um, a couple more to talk about as well. But what is the future of the Christmas Carol? You mentioned last week that we're still effectively celebrating a Victorian Christmas. And I do know a lot of our carols are mostly from that period. Do you think they will keep going strong as carols? We're celebrating the Victorian Christmas because that was devised largely for the Victorian middle class. And it took until the 1950s for all the trappings of our present Christmas to catch on for people to have a standard of living that could buy them. So it's virtually within living memory that the so-called Victorian Christmas becomes general. It hasn't had that long. In general, Christmas customs get made over once every few hundred years. And so my suspicion is another couple of hundred years we'll still have Christmas, but we'll have ditched the Victorian customs and come up with a whole new set. Well, let's have a listen to our first carol, which is Away in a Manger. It's a popular choice, I know, in school nativity plays, I remember from my childhood. But I understand that it was actually written by an American. Is that right? It probably is. It first appears in a number of American magazines in the early 1880s, sent to them by the same anonymous donor, who claims it's a 16th century German lullaby. Who's it written by? Or who's it credited to? Well, the anonymous donor credited it to Martin Luther, the great German reformer. Experts in Luther are convinced this cannot be possible. So it's almost certainly a fake in that sense, written by clearly quite a brilliant American in the late 19th century who chose to conceal her or his identity. Interesting. Musically, I don't know if you're much of a musicologist, but what do you think are the qualities of this song? You mentioned the lullaby there. It does really seem to have that feeling. It's got a a childlike tenderness. It is the tenderest of all our carols and it was called Luther's Cradle Song for decades when people were still believing in the original story. So it does fill a niche which other carols can't reach. Okay, well let's have a listen. Jesus, I see. 
So that was Away in a Manger. The next carol we're going to be hearing is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But as I understand it, Ronald, this is another carol which has gone through various iterations and it can be quite hard to sort of trace the lineage. Can you tell us about the opening line, particularly of of this carol, and how that was defined over the years? Yes, it's originally written, or the lyric is originally written, by Charles Wesley, who is the brother of John Wesley. And they are the founders of Methodism, that great Christian denomination which is very strong to even today. The original first two lines are, Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. And quite obviously, this is pretty obscure. Even in the early 18th century, Welkin was a rather old-fashioned way of saying heaven or sky. And so quietly and tactfully, one of Charles Wesley's mates, another great Methodist preacher, George Whitfield, tidied the thing up and in 1754 got it into the two opening lines that have remained ever since. So Wesley writes it in what year? At the beginning of the 1740s. Right. And so only about 14, 10 years later, it's been adapted. Yeah, they're people from the same generation, the two Wesleys and Whitfield. They're, they are part of the team that founded Methodism. What are the major alterations to the text then? We talked about there the, the, the top line, which we replacing Welkin with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Were there any other major additions to the text as a whole? The text does get revised at intervals through to the beginning of the 19th century. And it doesn't get uh, its current tune until somebody else who's really famous, the composer Felix Mendelssohn, comes along in 1840 and proceeds to provide the tune that we now have. And that's when both the tune and the words finally get fixed. Yes, and they sort of reach this crescendo, I think. But originally, am I right in saying that the music was not going to be joyous and triumphant. It was going to be completely the opposite. Well, to modern ears, it sounds... I I think they'd have said reverent. And I think as Methodists, they'd have gone for something that was unadorned and plain and straightforward and wholesome. But Mendelssohn's Naturally Are For Music gave us something which people have enjoyed singing ever since. Where are we now with the lyrics? Are they completely modern and up-to-date? Is there any more tinkering to be done? Well... There's a 1960s version with a descant, which works really nicely. On the whole, there hasn't been a lot of rearrangement of Victorian Christmas carols, traditional Christmas carols, since the early 20th century. But I I don't see why there shouldn't be. And I think quite possibly as people start to get a bit bored with the repertoire in another century or so, then the two alternatives are either to ditch it completely or to rewrite and refashion. And we hear that a lot through pop stars doing their own versions. That's absolutely right. Incidentally, it's a good question whether pop songs like Slade and uh, Wizard and Greg Lake should count as carols. And that's a really hard one to answer because uh, what's traditionally called a Christmas carol tends to have an overt Christian content. And the carol begins as a sacred song by Franciscan monks. On the other hand, the May carols, the harvest carols were secular. So I think you could possibly say that Francis's tradition has now been split and the Christian Christmas carols are the song and you dance to Slade and the rest of them, and they take care of the dance element. That's interesting, yeah. It's gone full circle in a way. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's have a listen to the version of Hark the Herald by our choristers up at Bolsover Castle. The final carol we'll hear is O Come All Ye Faithful, which we touched on earlier on in the episode, Professor. This continues to be one of the most popular, I believe. How early in the canon of carols does this one go back in relation to our previous two? This is the carol with the most complicated possible history. It goes back to a Latin version, Adeste Fidelis, which is known to have existed as far back as 1640, and it may go back a lot further than that. We just can't tell. Is there a fixed clear author for this one? Absolutely not. For the lyrics, there are a whole range of candidates. The most exciting is the musical king of Portugal in the mid-17th century, John IV. But there's also a whole range of Cistercian monks and uh, English composers who might have been the authors. We just don't know. And tune-wise, has it always had more or less the same tune? Do we know anything about that? It certainly hasn't had the present tune for a lot of its history. That really comes together with us in the 18th century. What was the political climate around the time that we think it might have been 
written, or at least it, it became popularised? Well, the crucial thing here is the standard version that we now use when it's printed in its present set of words. And that's by a really interesting Englishman called John Francis Wade, who is a Jacobite. He's a supporter of the exiled Stuart royal family, led in battle by Bonnie Prince Charlie at this time. And a lot of people have thought there's a subversive hidden message in the lyrics rallying support for Bonnie Prince Charlie and his family. But that's there for the hearer. There's no absolute proof. I think they talk about coming to Bethlehem. Is Bethlehem meant to be representing England and and this sort of idea? Yeah, it is that sort of idea. But who can prove it? So there's just this very loose connection between him being a, a, a Jacobite and the lyrics supposedly wanting the King of Kings, to be the Scottish King, the Stuart King, come down to England and and be praised in a way. Yeah, that's right. It's there if you want to see it. Uh, It's a conspiracy theory. And sometimes those are correct. In this case, who knows? And did it catch on among all denominations? Oh, it really did, because the translated words into English and the tune which eventually married them are just so jolly. It's uh, a bounce along carol. Was it the one that they normally end carol services with? Yeah, because you go out with a bang, with O Come All Ye Faithful. Do all Christian denominations sing it today? Is it it one of those ones that has been translated into various languages? It's been translated into lots of languages. Remember, it starts off in Latin and our, our famous version's English. But it is so compellingly convivial that it can reach all parts of the human race who want it and all denominations.
You've been listening to a special Christmas carols edition of the English Heritage Podcast, performed by the Chesterfield Philharmonic Choir at Bolsover Castle. We're back in the new year, discussing some of the key events that changed English history. Let's have a big shout out for poor little Pevensey Castle, whose contribution is important. And don't forget you can still visit English Heritage locations over the festive period. Just go to the English Heritage website, search for a location, and click on the tab to check the prices and opening times. Until then, from all of us here at English Heritage, have a very happy Christmas. <laughs>